This is CrossCut Reports. I'm Sarah Bernard. Today, I talk with CrossCut Central and Eastern Washington reporter Mai Huang about rent. Rent prices are climbing and climbing at the fastest pace in decades. If you live in the Seattle area, there's one thing you know for sure, and that's that the cost of housing, and by extension rent, is very high. But as Mai recently reported, it's also become very high in Eastern Washington. And in fact, while the overall numbers are highest in Seattle, Rent increases have created an even greater burden for people living in the state's smaller towns and cities. In some ways, this was a crisis several decades in the making. Governor Inslee and the state legislature are working on a number of fixes. But it's complex. It'll take time. And likely, some creativity. So Mai, you recently did some very significant reporting on the extremely high and rising rents throughout the state of Washington, which is a topic on a lot of people's minds, mine included. (laughs) And I will say that one data point that stuck out right away for me um, from your reporting was that the median gross rent in Washington state was nearly $1,500 in 2021, ranking it among the top five U.S. states. That's according to U.S. Census data. And I bring this up to say that when you look at that uh, median gross rent, One might think straight numbers. One might think Seattle. Seattle rents are extremely high. Um, I have a Seattle bias. I live in Seattle. However, you're based in Yakima, and you're the Eastern Washington reporter for CrossCut. So uh, before we get into the data, I actually wanted to just ask you about your perspective on this issue from a Yakima point of view. When I first moved to Yakima... Back in 2006, I was almost 24 years old, and I got an apartment in downtown Yakima, walking distance to my employer at the time, the Yakima Herald Republic. I had been hired as a business reporter. And my rent, it was a second floor apartment in this old house that was split into like four apartments. It was $375 a month. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Yes. And (sighs) Wow. And so that was my first apartment. And then I later moved to a slightly nicer apartment in a slightly nicer neighborhood. And I think I paid like five fifteen a month. But I was a reporter. I covered real estate for the Yakima Herald Republic for a long time. And so I had actually reported on housing. I reported on rental markets. I reported on home prices. So I had seen home prices go up. So I think I was able to kind of witness this growth in costs of housing over time. And actually, towards the latter end of my time at the Yakima Herald, I had started covering um, the city's attempts to address affordable housing in the city. Mm. I don't think even the rental prices were at that peak point, Mm. which we would see during the pandemic. (laughs) But it was clear that People were noticing the uptick and were starting to be concerned around that 2018-2019 period. Recently, you looked at some of the data coming out in the last couple of years especially, and you really found what I found to be kind of surprising, I guess, from my Seattle bias point of view, which is that while Seattle may have the highest rent statewide, actually the drastic, most drastic percentage increases in rent are in smaller cities and rural areas. 
Um, did that surprise you? Yes and no. I had been seeing increases in housing costs. So whether it was home prices or whether it was rental costs, um, I was expecting increases. I don't think that was a surprise. I think what was surprising was how severe the increases were, um, how sharp. And I think individual communities have had this conversation. Um, So it's a surprise if you don't live in those communities and you haven't followed it. Exactly. And so, for example, the city with the sharpest increase in rent you found um, is Walla Walla. You know, myself not having, in fact, I admit, uh, ever been to Walla Walla. I didn't know. Um, and I had no idea, and I wouldn't have guessed, that Walla Walla would be the place where the rents are rising the fastest in the whole state. And yeah, I mean, that did, did that surprise you as well? Walla Walla? I know I keep having these yes and no answers, but, it's, yeah, but it is yes and no. I've actually <laughs> been to Walla Walla pretty recently, 2022, March. Um, I had gone on a birthday trip with my one of my good friends. We decided, hey, let's go on this no kids, girls trip to Walla Walla, like go do some wine tasting, go hiking. Mm. And I remember going to one winery and we talked it up with one of the staff people that worked at the winery. And he was super friendly, super nice, like gave us recommendations of like other wineries to visit, like good restaurants. Um, and But the other inside tip he also gave was, talk, was about housing. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how, you know, he, as a person that lived in Walla Walla, had like struggled with housing. He had looked into converting a van <laughs> to live mm-hmm. in at one point because the housing was so bad, like... Um, you know, he, he, yeah, it was just really interesting because he spent quite a bit of time talking about housing. I think for people who are not familiar with Walla Walla, as you, as you mentioned, not everyone is familiar with that community. Uh, Walla Walla is a major wine destination. They have more than a hundred wineries. Welcome to Walla Walla, Washington. It was voted the top wine region in the U.S. by USA Today. And they have really nice hotels. Uh, their downtown is really gorgeous, really pretty. Um, just a really nice place to visit. Mm-hmm. And then some of them decide, hey, I want to be there on a more permanent basis and I want to live there. So Walla Walla is already, I think there was already a lot of interest in people moving to Walla Walla like before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in some ways it's like pressure is getting put on and then the pandemic hits. According to the U.S. Postal Service, nearly 16 million people moved during the pandemic, some for family, some for financial reasons, while others just wanted more space and they wanted to be closer to nature. I mean, one of the stories of the pandemic in terms of housing was that a lot of people who were making money and could work from home were moving to places, you know, places they wanted to be, wherever that was, often a beautiful rural place, and they were making money that wasn't necessarily connected in any way to the specific place they were living in. Based on your reporting, is that part of what was going on in Walla Walla, do you think? Oh, definitely. Um, I think not just Walla Walla, but throughout, you know, these eastern Washington and these smaller cities. Mm -hmm. 852 people in the city of Spokane were asked about the cost of living expenses. 59% said their rent went up in the last six months, and 43% said they saw an increase of up to $500. A lot of people were starting to move to Spokane as well because in the relative recent past, Spokane's housing prices were pretty reasonable. If you look back 
even five years ago, you know, you could get a house for a few hundred thousand dollars, which in Seattle, that was becoming um, a struggle to find something within, let's say, five hundred thousand dollars. Right. Yeah. Pretty impossible now. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. (laughs) So so there was already like a migration going on and it was going on more so in places like Walla Walla and Spokane. But what the pandemic did was it just enabled a greater portion of workers and people to take a look at these communities. So it's like all of a sudden, there's already sort of increased interest perhaps in some of these communities. And all of a sudden, there's like a huge demand. And then maybe demand is outstripping supply. Um, One of the really striking findings in your reporting is that the Walla Walla City Council found that the percentage of Walla Walla residents who are spending a third or more, essentially, of their income on rent was higher than in Seattle. And again, as a Seattle resident, I was like, what? Because <laughs> I feel like um, that's such a, a defining you know, characteristic of being a Seattle resident almost <laughs> right now, you know? Um, but I, apparently not, um, because it's more defining of being a Walla Walla resident, apparently, right now. I reached out. I had a source in Walla Walla, um, someone I had talked to regularly. So I knew, like, if I messaged this person, I would probably get some some help. And so, I, you know, what I was expecting was, like, oh, she'd give me, like, one person, two person. That's pretty typical. Like, when you reach out to your sources, what was surprising to me was when I messaged her, she said, oh, my gosh. It's like, I opened up Pandora's box and everyone wants to talk about this. <laughs> uh, Patricia Divine Wilder were what, was one of the names I got from this source. Um, she was very, I think, politically involved. And so she was not only dealing with this issue, she was also trying to do something about it. What has um, Patricia's experience been in terms of rent going up over the years? Um, Patricia actually went back and looked at, you know, how much she paid for rent and like how much she earned. She talked about even back when in like the 70s, when she was a young adult, you know, working as a waitress. Um, she recalls how, you know, she lived with a roommate in Walla Walla and she could cover her portion of the rent within a shift or two at her restaurant. Okay. I mean, could you imagine wow. like yeah, no one would no. think you could cover <laughs> rent with like a single or two or three or four or five shifts <laughs> even at a restaurant. Right. Right. And then she talked about, you know, she's kind of moved around the country for a while. Um, and then she came back to Walla Walla in the early 2000s and she worked as a technical writer. She paid $425 in rent, and that was 17% of her income back in the early 2000s. And then fast forward to 2022, 2023, she now pays $1,045 a month, and it's more than half of her income. Wow. The pandemic has really exacerbated, sounds like, some trends that were already happening. Uh, you report that in some ways, what's happening in Washington state is is a couple decades old. <laughs> Can you tell us about that just real briefly? Like, why exactly are we here now, do you think? Yeah, I mean, when you look at it, I think you can kind of point back to the housing bubble burst from the late 2000s. And the context back then was people getting foreclosed on and losing homes. Half of the homes on this cul-de-sac have been hit with a foreclosure situation. The thing I think in Washington state that wasn't talked about because it was kind of in the background was that 
while we had a glut of vacant homes, while there were foreclosures, partially because of regulations in the state at the time, you know, a number of factors, uh, we just did not build as much as other states. So, you know, the supply was never like super high to begin with, but we still experienced some of the other fallouts the rest of the country did, namely, you know, this exodus of construction workers and people in the trades because, you know, there were fewer jobs. And so when the housing demand started going back up um, post, you know, this great recession, there really wasn't the personnel to build new homes at the pace that we needed to build. That was a conversation point. I remember writing these stories back in 2015, 2016 about, you know, we need more construction workers. We don't have enough housing. You know, that, that was already an issue. We just have never caught up um, either multifamily or single family to the number of housing units that we needed. One thing that is happening, however, is Governor Inslee and the state legislature are looking at this and they're trying to come up with solutions. This is why I'm proposing a $4 billion referendum that will significantly speed up the construction of thousands of new units. As he announced, a $4 billion plan for comprehensive affordable housing, enough to create more than 26,000 units over six years. Inslee's, he has a few different ideas. He has um, plans to increase the pace of construction, and he wants to streamline some regulations. Yeah, there's a, mul- a bunch of different things. So there's initiatives to increase the number of housing units being built, grants that can assist communities in getting permit applications across. Ensley's package also includes hundreds of millions of dollars looking at developing and preserving housing for low-income residents. You know, you reported there are a couple of bills uh, circulating through the legislature. Right now, multiple bills are moving through the state legislature aimed at curbing rent increases and protecting tenants. One bill would effectively stabilize rent, uh, the cost of rent throughout the state. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yes. So this bill, Senate Bill 5435, and they just had a public hearing on it. Basically, it would cap annual rent increases to the rate of inflation or to three percent whichever number is higher or three percent whatever number is higher and basically the maximum increase cannot be more than seven percent so even if like let's say the rate of inflation like justified like an eight percent increase like the the maximum increase would be seven percent okay And that would therefore be, for example, that would be a percent increase that would be less than a place like Walla Walla has been in the past few years. Right, for sure, yeah. It seems like, I don't know, my very uh, uninformed layperson perspective is like, wow, rent stabilization from a state level uh, view. I mean, that seems unusual. Yeah, there's two two things to consider, I think, um, as part of this conversation. So I think the one piece of conversation that will be debated as with all these housing bills is the role of a local government versus the role of the state legislature. Right. Um, the state legislature, of course, is going to argue that, hey, this is becoming a statewide issue. Like, we have the highest rents among, in the country. However, there's going to be people that argue that, hey, every community in Washington state is different. You need to leave that some of that decision-making at the local level. So that's one thing to consider. The other thing to consider which I'm hoping I would like to address in future stories is is landlords um, and the people that provide the housing. 
uh, you know, this story really focused on rents and like how it affected people who rent. Uh, I got a lot of responses from those uh, on the landlord side and um, who felt like, like their, you know, their perspective should be addressed. And when you go to these housing, when there's any discussion about housing, the community of landlords will show up and will say, well, if you do this, it might have unintended consequences for like mom and pop landlords. Landlords are explaining to us that their expenses have increased as well. And in some cases, their profits have actually decreased. I think, you know, some landlords would probably make the point that, hey, it's not like I want to stick it to my tenants, but I also have to cover my costs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as part of this reporting, I did go to some housing forums, you know, virtually and in person. And I think there's general agreement that more housing is the answer. Mm-hmm. But then what else to do? I think that that's going to be heavily debated in terms of like what kind of zoning to allow, whether rent stabilization is the answer and like what are the effects on landlords if, you know, they cannot, they're limited to a 7% increase, for example. Mm-hmm. You mentioned uh, landlords. Is there any other part of this story or this issue that you plan to report on next? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm very interested and eager to continue reporting on affordable housing. I'm really interested to kind of watch how local communities respond with zoning. Walla Walla had actually passed, you know, law back in 2018 to modify their zoning so to mm-hmm. allow multifamily and single family zoning. So like, you know, everyone's been talking about like, oh, well, oh, are people willing to, you know, do away with single family zoning or modify like Walla Walla did it already. Yeah. I'm curious to see how other communities adjust their zoning, adjust their processes to accommodate different types of housing. You know, now that we know that rent increases is not just a Seattle problem and it's a statewide problem, I think we also need to pay attention to see how different communities respond and rise up to the challenges facing their own communities. Thanks for listening to Crosscut Reports. This episode was reported by Mai Huang and produced by me, Sarah Bernard. Our story editor and executive producer is Mark Baumgarten. You can subscribe to Crosscut Reports wherever you listen. And whatever platform you're listening on, please review us. We'd love to know what you think of the show. Also, if you'd like to support the work we do at Crosscut, whether it's our lineup of podcasts, the live events we host every month, or the in-depth reporting we deliver every day, go to crosscut.com membership. In addition to supporting our journalism, members receive complete access to the on-demand programming of Seattle's PBS station, KCTS 9. For the latest political, environmental, and culture news from the Pacific Northwest, visit crosscut.com. Crosscut Reports is a product of Cascade Public Media. I'm Sarah Bernard. We'll be back soon with another episode.